On my first mission trip to Nigeria back in 2010, prior to going, I did as much homework as I possibly could. Uh, I studied up upon the Ibu culture and the Ibu culture and how it connects to the scriptures, and I wanted to make sure that I was real, well read and well versed in customs, traditions, uh, various greetings. And when I arrived, I did notice that the Ibu people really paid close attention to my actions. And when they saw me uh, display and live out the Ibu culture before them, they were astonished and they were amazed. Um, I had one Ibu man laugh and I say, well, what's so funny? He says, well, you should hear the people. They are telling me that you're more Ibu than the Ibu. In other words, I was keeping Ibu tradition better than the Ibu themselves. See, when you're raised in a tradition or raised in a culture, you kind of take it for granted. And as you know, you kind of involve yourself with the outside world and modern life, sometimes you lose or begin to stray away from your traditional upbringing. And I was really careful to mind all the P's and Q's of Ibu culture, not realizing that the Ibus have been heavily influenced by the West. And a lot of Western culture has watered down the Ibu culture and crept into the Ibu culture. And I was keeping it in the purest, most innocent form that I could, being a novice. And as a result, they were saying that I was more Ibu than the Ibu. And one time, <clears throat> they paid particular attention when we were eating fufu and pepper soup. The fufu is made from the cassava plant and it's uh, they make it like a, a doughy consistency and you're to pinch off a little bit of dough and dip it in the pepper soup and swallow it whole. You're not to chew it. And I knew this before starting that meal. And when they noticed that I wasn't chewing the fufu but swallowing it, I heard a noche ibu, a noche ibu like all throughout the dinner table. And I, I turned to my friend and I said, well, what are they saying? He says, they're saying you're a white Ibu. <laughs> well, this all reminds me of what takes place in the book of Ruth. The zealousness of a convert, as well as the repercussions of an assimilated Jew. Now, the story begins in Ruth. Uh, which takes place during the time of the judges. And what prefaces the time of the judges is that every man, uh, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Uh, it was a time where they began to kind of stray away from the Torah, stray away from the commandments. And as a result, certain section of, uh, sections of Israel was uh, taken over by various other people groups and when they cried out to the Lord and began to return to the Torah and return to the covenant of the God of Israel, uh, the Lord raised up a judge and delivered them. So this particular place and area takes place during a time when Israel was fairly free, uh, when, um, you know, takes place in, uh, in Judah, in the territory of Judah, which borders Ephraim. and these people of that area returned 
uh, to the Lord and were very conscious and obedient of all the laws of Torah and were living them out day by day uh, in, in, in the way that they, they um, planted and harvested their fields uh, as you know, the harvest festival was coming, one of the feasts of the Lord. And they were very careful to, to be very obedient. And the people of this area of Judah uh, were very traditional Jews, from what I understand and what I read and what I gather. And I, I get this because I kind of juxtapose the way the people of Judah are living compared to Naomi uh, and uh, Elimelech and their two sons uh, as they lived in Moab. <clears throat> Elimelech, with his wife Naomi, and his two sons, Mahlon and Chilon, um, and these may be fictitious names in order to, um, you know, not reveal the names of the sons so as to um, see them in a bad light. Because these names, Malhon means sickness and Chilion means pining away. Who would name their kids that? Who would name their kids sickness and pining? Uh, I guess this was symbolic. Not only was this protecting the names of the sons, but this was kind of a commentary on life in Moab. Commentary on life in exile away from Judah and the people of Judah and the obedience uh, of Torah and living a Torah lifestyle. Because when you walk away from Torah, you become sick. Because the Lord said, if you're careful to obey my commandments, I will put none of the diseases that I put upon the Egyptians. And pining away, whenever somebody's away from home or, or in exile or tries to start a new life elsewhere, they get homesick and they dream of home. And they're always drawn back to home. So they're pining for their home. So <clears throat> apparently, um, Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and the two sons assimilated somewhat into the Moabite culture. Not that they forsook the God of Israel, they still believed in the God of Israel, but it's kind of the difference between a secular Jew and an Orthodox Jew. Whereas an Orthodox Jew, you know, they're not just a Jew in name only, they live out the commandments, the customs, the cultures, um, they're, they're obedient to the Torah. Whereas a secular Jew or a Reformed Jew uh, you know, they, they, they live quite a bit like the secular Western world, and they just kind of have hints and flavors and, and accents of Judaism in their life. It's not necessarily a lifestyle or, or a culture. And Elimelech and Malhon and Kilhon eventually die, and so Naomi has no one to care for her. Uh, she has no family, no relatives. So she decides to go back to Judah, uh, where she's from. At least she'll be in a familiar community, um, around familiar people, fairly close to her distant relatives, and kind of reacclimate herself to the Jewish lifestyle and culture as it pertains to the obedience of Torah. So it's interesting when she returns, she returns uh, with a foreigner with the widow of her son Mal, uh, Mahlon, and she's a Moabitess. Now Naomi encouraged her to go back to her people and to go back to her gods. Um, 
Chilion's widow, uh, Orpha, she returned. But Ruth's like, nah, I don't, there's not, nothing really here for me. I'm going to go with you. I think I'm going to fare much better back uh, in Judah with you. So this foreigner, totally ignorant of Jewish culture. I mean, she picked up a little bit of Jewish culture from Naomi, but Naomi was pretty much assimilated into Moabite culture. Because if you read in Ruth chapter 2, uh, verse 12, Boaz says to Ruth, May Yahweh reward you for what you have done. May rich uh, recompense be made to you by Yahweh, the God of Israel, to whom you have come to find shelter beneath his wings. Um, let me read verse 11 above that. Boaz answered her, I've been told of all you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death, and how you left your own father and mother and the land where you were born to come among a people whom you know nothing about before. Whom you knew nothing about before. Well, wouldn't she know something about the, the Jewish people from Naomi? Not much. Because for all intents and purposes, Naomi lived like a Moabitess. She was assimilated into the Moabite culture, although she still uh, believed and served the God of Israel. So it says, because Boaz says, uh, you come among a people whom you knew nothing about before you came here. May Yahweh reward you for what you have done. What is she? What if she's done? She went to him and asked Boaz to be the kinsman redeemer. Now, it's kind of implied that Ruth uh, converted to the faith and to the religion of Judah. Because when she leaves to return to Judah with Naomi, she says, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people. See, a convert is considered no different than a native-born. It's actually kind of rude and, and, and a quasi-sin, if you will, to refer to them by their former pagan um, foreign status. And, she, and not only that, she says, and your God will be my God. Those are words of a convert. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May Yahweh do this thing to me, and more also, even if death should, should come between us. So Ruth basically converts. And when she converts, a convert is very zealous to learn all they can about their newfound faith and their newfound identity. And as a result of this, they end up being more scrupulous in obeying and keeping the commandments and the customs and the cultures of the religion and of, of the faith and of the particular people group that faith comes from. And so we see Ruth being a Moabitess, actually practicing Judaism, if you will, better than Naomi. Now, when one walks away from the commandments and assimilates into a pagan foreign culture, they kind of lose connection with a close relationship with God through his word, through the commandments, because that's one way we relate to God is by obeying his commandments. And when we obey his commandments, that's a way of being closer to God because it's considered keeping marital vows. We stay close to our spouse by being faithful to the marital vows we swore at the marriage altar. So when we are faithful to the Torah, we become closer to God because 
it symbolizes that we are faithful to God, that we are not committing spiritual adultery by going after other gods or observing pagan customs and ways, etc., etc. And so we see that Naomi was living like a Moabitess, was assimilated into the Moabite culture, and as a result, uh, we see her life lack blessing. Her husband dies, her sons die, there's really nothing left. And I don't think that God is punishing her for assimilating, but she becomes embittered, and it's almost as if she blames God. But God is not punishing her. God is just giving her incentive to return to him, to return to the commandments, to, the, to return to the blessings that come from obeying the Torah and living the life of an obedient Jew. And so when she returns to Judah, everybody's like, hey, look, it's Naomi. She's like, no, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Call me Mara for Shaddai, for Almighty, has marred me bitterly. So uh, filled full, I departed, she said. In other words, I left here to go to Moab with all my possessions. I was blessed in full. Yet. Yahweh brings me back empty. When you walk away from God, you burn through your resources that you took with you that God blessed you with, and you find yourself in a foreign place empty. Therefore, you have to return to him empty so he can fill you up again. Why call me Naomi then, since Yahweh has given witness against me and Shaddai has afflicted me? This was how Naomi... Uh, this was how Naomi, she who returned from the country of Moab, came back with Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So very close to one of the feasts of the Lord that we find in Leviticus 23. Now, as Naomi is reacclimating herself to life in Bethlehem, Judah, she starts, you know, picking back up upon the, the, the mode, the life, the culture, the customs, the keeping of the commandments, the routine, the flow of religious life and social life within Bethlehem, Judah. And she starts becoming an obedient Jew again. And with becoming an obedient Jew again, blessings are sure to follow. Because Deuteronomy chapter 28 talks about when you walk away from God's Torah, that curses will follow you. And death followed Naomi when she walked away from God's Torah while living in Moab. But when she returned, when she returned to Bethlehem, Judah, and started to begin to keep the commandments again, uh, returning to the commandments, there was a return of life, and as a result, a return of blessing. So we see as Ruth, being a zealous convert, is living the example of a good Jewish lifestyle in front of Naomi, actually being a better Jew than Naomi, Naomi may have been a little jealous and, and, and says, well, you know what, I really need to start living a good life for my daughter-in-law, Ruth, and be a good example for her and teach her how to be a good Jew. So she becomes more observant. And as both, as, as Ruth is Torah observant, and Naomi becomes more Torah observant again, we see that blessings follow. And their misfortune turns to fortune. Their curse turns to a blessing. They came empty-handed. They came reeking of death. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, there were, they, you know, they, they, uh, Ruth goes into a field and starts gleaning and they get food and they find out that the field that she's gleaning in is their relative, not only a relative, but a kinsman redeemer, somebody that can marry her, somebody that can provide children for her, somebody that can give her a good life. And we see as the, the book of Ruth unfolds that the closer that Ruth and Naomi get to the commandments and to living a Torah lifestyle, the life of an obedient Jew, the more blessings that follow and that they are taken out of their poverty that they came from Moab with, and they kind of get raised back up in blessing and status in Bethlehem Judah in the Jewish world. Uh, Naomi becomes a grandmother, Ruth is married and has a child, and, um, you know, Boaz, you know, inherits uh, her, her uh, you know, uh, Elimelech and Malhon's uh, inheritance. Therefore, they become rich and provided for once again. And Naomi ends the book of Ruth. Uh, being happy and blessed. She doesn't want to be called Mara anymore. She wants to be called Naomi again because she is nursing her grandson. And so it's Ruth who converted and became a Jewess and came into the line of Boaz, and they had Obed, and then Obed had Jesse, and Jesse had David, who was the king of Israel and kicked off the Davidic dynasty, which ends in Messiah Yeshua, which we read about that lineage and that dynasty in Matthew chapter one. So I think this is a great story uh, and a great reminder of how we need to maintain our Torah lifestyle, even while living in the midst of paganism, living in exile in the Western world. And when we do, we become blessed. And when we do, we set up blessing for our children to follow in and to follow after. So I think the book of Ruth is not only a story of redemption, um, because we have the kinsman redeemer, which alludes to Messiah Yeshua, but I think it's also a story of assimilation and rededication. It's a it's it's a story of conversion and obedience. And I think these are beautiful themes that come out of the book of Ruth that we really need to hone in and focus on and pay attention to and apply to our lives so that we may be vigilant against assimilation in the day and times and places that we're living in outside of, of Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. Thanks for listening, everybody. Shalom. God bless.